podcasters never shut up and they don't. And especially when their podcasts get out there for a while, they think people actually want to hear them talk, um, despite the fact that that's often erroneous. Um, so I've been doing a podcast called MCrit for the past seven years. And started it almost as a lark. I didn't think anyone would be listening. And now there's a fairly sizable audience who I get to talk to every couple weeks. And it's pretty much the best thing in my academic career. So I'm going to tell you about 50 tips and to understand pitfalls to avoid that I came across and had to learn the hard way over those seven years. So let's start off with the prerequisites to making a podcast, which I assume is the reason you are all here. So you need to have something to say. You need to have a unique perspective in the world. And this last one is maybe the most important. You need to have a fund of knowledge about the topic you want to talk about. Whatever niche you're going to make a podcast about, you should have a real passion and desire to find out everything in that niche. And that passion will be translated as interest to the people listening because they're going to be passionate too or else there's another you know, 50,000 podcasts they could choose in lieu of yours. So if you hook your listeners, it's going to be because they are passionate about the same things you are. And that's the beauty of the internet is everyone could find their own little niche. Everyone could find their own little group of people, and sometimes it's a big group of people, that are interested in something in the same exact way you are. And if you find those people, if you find a topic that brings those people out, then you're set. Then you're going to have a rabid group of people that will listen to everything you put out. Now, expertise is what is going to give your show interest. So if you are a third-year medical student, then you probably shouldn't be talking about clinical medicine because you're not an expert on that. You're a novice. Doesn't mean you can't do a podcast. You can. You can do a podcast about being a third-year medical student and all the tips and stuff you learned about that or the first two years of med school and the stuff you wish you had done differently and the stuff that you would ask your friends about and you could interview people about how to get through those years in the optimal way possible. But you can't be talking about clinical medicine because you're not an expert. And if you're not an expert, then the podcast eventually will fail. Even interview shows where you're like, well, I don't need to be the expert. I'll just bring out the knowledge from the other experts. Yeah, that's, that's kind of a false paradigm. It doesn't actually work. The best interview shows are done by people who know every answer they're going to be given by the person they're interviewing, but they have enough humility to be able to let that person shine and stand in the background. I'm a shitty interviewer. I hate, hate that, taking that humble role. But the best interviewers in the business, folks like my friend Rob Orman, who does the ERCast podcast and MRAP, he is incredibly smart. But he does not make himself the spotlight. He puts all the spotlight on the people he's talking to, and he makes them shine. And he actually uses his intelligence to bring out the best in them. And, and that kind of expertise is what's absolutely needed if you're going to do a podcast. Do we have audio up here, guys? This is a, this is a YouTube video from a guy in Maine who builds ships. And he's just talking about wood. I have no interest in building ships. I never, never going to build a ship. And yet I, I was entranced. I could listen to this for like 30 minutes. Um, because this guy is one of the top experts in the world at building a ship from scratch using just lumber. And 
I, I promise you, if you go just to YouTube right, well, well, not right now, but if you go to YouTube some point and just Google tips from a shipwright and watch it for five minutes and see, unless you have a burning interest in ships, uh, I will assume that this is not an area you particularly care about. And yet you will find this interesting, I think, because he is an expert. He knows everything there is to know about putting together a ship from scratch. And that alone is interesting. There's another podcast out there called Cooking Issues. It is high level, chef level cooking stuff. Like not, here's how to fry an egg. It's like, here's how to use a molecular destroyer to get the optimal you know, ratio in your cocktails. Um, most of you, even if you love to cook, will have no interest in doing the things mentioned in that. But he's such an expert that, for me at least, it is entrancing to listen to. So if you take nothing else, developing expertise in the niche you want to podcast in is key. Okay. Medical podcasting, at least, for the most part, as Mel Herbert alluded to, is the game of introverts. I don't know many extrovert podcasters out there. Um, and, and this is good because it gives introverts a way to actually talk to the world, um, talk to a lot of people that they never have otherwise because most introverts only deal with small groups of people and they only you know, get to interact with uh, maybe two, three people at a time. But podcasting is kind of the force multiplier for introverts. Now, if you're an extrovert, it doesn't mean don't podcast. It just means you'll be one of the first few medical podcasters out there because most of the time, you're going to be speaking to yourself for a long, long time. Uh, at the very beginning of a podcast, you're not going to have a big listener base. And even if, when you get some listeners who are tuning in to you regularly, uh, they're not going to start commenting yet because there's this gap between when you have like 100 people who listen and then you get your first comment. And that happens somewhere like around 500 listeners. And because there's like this huge ratio to how many people are listening to how many people are willing to actually tell you they're listening. And so for a long time, you're just like, is anyone out there listening? And you, you might even find yourself begging on the mic, please just write back to me if you, <laughs> because you're just, it's, it's a very solipsistic activity. You're just talking to the mic with the desire for that to get out there and yet no understanding of whether it has or not. And I, I generally find introverts are more likely to stick with that for a little while. Okay. Another prerequisite, you need to wear a lot of hats, at least at the beginning until you get a team. Or if you're independently wealthy, you could hire these people right up front, but I, I certainly couldn't, and I don't think many of us even at this point can, which means you're going to have to learn how to be an audio engineer. You're going to have to learn how to be a you know, uh, publicist. You're going to have to learn how to be a website manager. You're going to have to learn how to be a tech person. You're going to have to learn how to deal with video files. And all of these jobs that people get paid real salaries to do, you'll be doing for yourself. And you don't ever get to like real expert level in any of these things. You learn just enough to get done what you want to do. But it is funny how many jobs you need to take at least partial ownership of to put a podcast out there. And most of the things you'll need to know will actually discuss during this course. But you're going to probably have to do some work on your own to really master those things at a level that makes this smooth. Okay, so now you're like, okay, I think I could do these prerequisites. I want to create a show. What's going to make your show interesting or different? That thought pattern now will serve you so well as you start developing your podcast because it's really sad to have, you know, 15 episodes recorded and realize, you know, the, the, the basis of this, the, the principle I was going for, wow, now that I think about it, it really doesn't work so well. So putting the brainstorming time in now to figure out what is going to discriminate your show from all the other stuff out there is really powerful. And it could be I'm just going to do the same you know, general principle of stuff that's already out there, but I'm going to do it better 
But that's always harder. It's always harder to fight in a market that already exists as opposed to creating a market on your own. If you create something that's never out there, then you're automatically the best in that market. And then people have to figure out a way to uh, conquer you. So thinking about that now, why will people listen? And there's so much still out there in medical podcasting that no one's doing. So it's like a wide open arena right now. But put the thought pattern in before you start recording. Okay, scripts versus freeform. And this is the, uh, the big uh, dichotomy in the podcasting world. I don't script anything. I get in front of the mic and I just speak. And I like that. It, it's, I find it very, uh, it, it closes in my entire process if I have to sit down for hours ahead of time and script out what I'm going to say. Um, but I put out at least as much work, if not more, just thinking about the concepts I'm going to talk about and researching and researching and then putting them together and figuring out the ways they connect. And then after weeks of that on a topic, then I just you know, vomit it out into the mic. Um, that's my way. Other people, they prefer the scripts and there's nothing wrong with that either. And I'd say we might even be half and half in the medical podcasting world, people who script it out versus the people that do it freeform. But you gotta figure out what's right for you and figure out how it works and try it a few both ways. And there's, there's in between. Some people will script out, you know, just major topic headings that they want to hit. And then that'll be their little cues to go through. And it's very much similar to the presentation we're given right now. Like some people want to have little notes on the bottom of their slide deck with every word they want to say. And others are just going to look at this three words up there and, and just go from that. But figure out which way works best for you. Because learning your processes early are going to get you to be that much better for each episode. Pick a show length that's reasonable. Now, any show length could be reasonable as long as it fits the topic. MCRIT, my show, about 20 minutes. And I go over, I go under, but that's pretty consistently what I shoot for. And that makes sense for the topics I, I want to present. And in fact, most of the time, I don't, I'm not keeping track of time, and they hit right at 20 minutes because I know pretty much in your head, subconsciously, here's how much information I could fit in a 20-minute chunk. Now, Anton, how long is your average show? Yeah, and Anton's consistently comes in about an hour, and that's, he has a fantastic show, and it's perfectly appropriate. My show wouldn't work at an hour. Anton's show works amazing at an hour. So you gotta kinda play around and figure it out. But you also could do it the opposite way. You could say, uh, you know, based on my time, based on my own feelings of how comfortably I could stay in front of that mic, uh, I'm a, doing this as a solo show versus I'm doing it as a partner, you know, bantering back and forth. This feels really good at 40 minutes. Okay, you got a 40-minute show now. Stick with that 40-minute show because now you've found a reasonable length. Don't take an audience that you've gotten used to that 40-minute show and give them an hour and a half too often because they probably are not going to be listening. Because if you had listeners at that 40 minutes and that felt right, that's what they want. And your audience, for the most part, likes consistency. All right, this is a key tip, so key. None of you are gonna do it, but it is such a key tip. Record your first five episodes without releasing any. Get five in the bag. And then, at episode five, ask yourself, from everything I've learned doing those five, do I really still wanna release number one? And a lot of the times, say, shit, no. And throw that in the trash, erase it permanently, rewrite that hard drive so no one could ever find it, and then just re-record number one. You might re-record number two as well. And now all of a sudden, you're going to sound like a pro right outside the gate. 
If you try to put out the first episode you record, I promise you by episode 10, you're like, oh, that was just brutal. What was I thinking? All right, so try that tip. No one's going to do it, but I think it's a good idea. Okay, this is key in the medical podcasting world. I wish it was key in the political world as well, but at least in our world, it's absolutely key. You've got to separate out opinion from evidence. What do I mean by that? I say a lot of stuff on my show. Some of it is literature-based, studies, it's good randomized controlled trials supporting it. And other things are just my clinical practice. Both of those are incredibly important. Both of those are things you should say, and both of those are things the listeners want to hear. But they want a clear dividing line between those two things. And you better make it absolutely clear. This is based on evidence. This there is no evidence for, but here's how I practice. And if you do that, everyone's happy. If you're blending in with the same adamant tone in your voice, you better do this, and your half of those things are proven, and half of those things are just your opinion, well then you're, you're just a bad medical attending or bad medical consultant, right? Teaching your residents the wrong way. And you know, you've watched those people, you've been trained by those people where everything they say they're 100% sure of, and you're like, oh, that, that's so funny, I wanna look that up. Uh, what, what study did that come from? They're like, that's not from a study, that's just the way it is. Um, yeah, that, that's not acceptable on medical podcasting. Because all of a sudden, you're not exposed to just an audience of one, you know, at the beginning stages of their career, intern or resident. Um, there are people who will listen to your podcast. And there are a bunch of us out there that if you put something out in medical podcasting, I'm going to listen. Chris Nixon's going to listen. We're going to listen at least to the first couple episodes. And if we hear podcasts that uh, just are complete opinion, but no statement of that, uh, we're going to call you out on it because that's dangerous. Podcasts are potentially dangerous because they're not being peer-reviewed like journals are. There's not someone who's fact-checking you automatically. And it's actually the beginning podcasts that are the most dangerous because the ones that have been established, there's enough skeptics in their audience to point out whenever there's an error. There's enough people out there listening carefully and saying, oh, no, that's not right. You, you misquoted that. Here's the real thing. So they get this real-time peer review. Beginning podcasts don't get that. Their audience is too scant to have enough people who may be real familiar with the actual source literature to be able to do that peer review. So you almost have more responsibility at the beginning stages than at the end. If I make a mistake, it's going to be caught within the first hour, and I'll be able to go back and correct it. But if you say something wrong, or if you say something adamantly that's not uh, evidence-based, it could be very dangerous. All right. Gotta understand, it's not about you when you podcast. It's about your audience. And, you know, especially with these groups of people podcast, there could be a lot of banter, there could be a lot of discussion of, you know, your trip to Costco and all this. And that's fine a little bit sometimes. You know, some people have made whole podcasts about it, and that's great if that's the topic of the podcast. I find it amazingly entertaining if I go to a. <laughs> They're laughing because they have a wildcast EM that's just them bantering. And I love that podcast, but I know what I'm getting. Um, but when they come to you for a medical education podcast, they want the meat. They don't want the fluff. All right, so keep it to a minimum. Make, just, I keep telling myself it's about them. In fact, I imagine this optimal listener, this you know, uh, first year attending, just graduated from emergency medicine, is really feeling bad about not getting enough resuscitation and critical care training. And when I'm giving my podcast, I just envision this person, and that's who I'm speaking to, and they don't care. 
They're asking me about how to take care of a patient crashing from sepsis. They don't care about my trip to the restaurant where the spoon still had, you know, like a spot of grease on it. That's not what they're there for. Um, so no banter, no fluff. And now this is optional. You could take this as you will, but a lot of podcasts put like a good 30 second uh, intro music in there, this little uh, hit of music at the beginning. And like the first time you hear it, you're like, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. And then when you start binge listening, which is what you want your audience to do, when they discover you at episode 50, you want them to go back and listen to all 50 of them, which is what I do with all the podcasts I love. They will hate you if there's 30 seconds of music at the beginning of every podcast. Now, if it's like a three second lick, yeah, no worries. They'll get over that. Um, or if the music's in the bed, which means underneath you speaking as your intro music, no worries, because they're actually getting to the topic and they're hearing the music at the beginning. But some of the podcasts I listen to have like a good 15 seconds music before you hear anything else. That is deadly. And I just want, I thank gosh for the you know, 30 second skip button when you're just binge listening. Okay. What to invest in. The website doesn't matter. And I have this here mostly for me because I have found myself like spending hours getting everything pixel perfect on the actual website, just making it look beautiful, teaching myself to program CSS and HTML and Java and doing all this stuff and just hours of my life sucked in. And finally I realized no one gives a crap. Your website needs to be usable, it needs to be findable and people need to be able to access the information on it, but things right out of the box from all sorts of venue, Wix, um, Squarespace, WordPress, will do that part for you automatically. Anything else you put above it, it's nice, it's nice, no one cares. They really, really don't. I've done surveys with my audience. They don't care that my website looks pretty. They just need to be able to find the information. Do not invest time in this unless it's enjoyable to you to invest time in it. But don't think your website needs to be insanely good. It will not bring you anything in the medical podcasting game. All right, the mic doesn't matter within reason. Uh, there are mics out there. Uh, Rob, how much have you spent on a mic? Yeah, like $600 and thereabouts. Um, we're going to show you some mics in the course, uh, about 50 bucks, that will give you sound that is 95% as good as Rob's $600 mic. Do not, at least at the beginning, think you have to spend a lot of money on a microphone. Um, the ones we're going to show you, cheap, good USB dynamic mics will get you through hundreds of episodes. And I think you should go USB until you know the difference. And if you don't know that what other options there are, you're a perfect player for USB. It's plug and play. You go into the computer, everything works pretty much. You don't have to think about it. And we'll show you some of the other options for getting more professional level. It doesn't do much. Um, it may have some role when you're doing multi-person podcasts. It's kind of hard to work with USB. But I'll tell you at the beginning, go USB. All right, now, mic doesn't matter, but mic technique matters. And we'll show you the beginnings of it, but working on your mic technique is huge, which means same distance from your microphone at all times, so you get consistent gain levels, um, so you don't change the sound of your voice, and avoiding what we call plosives, which are P and B sounds, make these horrible sounds on audio if they go directly into a microphone, avoiding sibilance, and all sorts of little tricks we'll show you. That's what to invest in, not the microphone. Just like the cardiologist, you could give them the $3 stethoscope, and they could hear everything, and then you have your $400 Lipman electronic, you're like, I can't hear crap. Um, that's the deal. You give any experienced podcast or any mic, and they're going to sound great, and I could give you, you know, Bob's $600 Newman, and 
you know, maybe you're not going to sound so great on it. Okay. This is worth investing in. This is a boom arm. And I don't even recommend this model per se, but this is a cheap one that works fine. Um, this will allow you to stick this up on your desk, and whenever you're ready to podcast, you just pull it up to your face. You're not going to have the putting your coffee cup down on your table, make noise on your recording. This will inspire you to podcast. If you have to have something in a draw somewhere that you have to set up each time, or it's tucked away somewhere in your desk and you got to put the wires in, it's going to be a barrier to you having a sudden idea that you could record on tape or record onto your computer. So do this. Buy this right up front. Even though you're a novice, you're like, I don't need this fancy boom arm now. Do it. You don't need to get one that screws into your desk and ruins the wood. You get one that clamps on so you can see if you like this or not. But I'd say buy this up front because it eliminates all barriers. Anytime I'm like, crap, that's a great idea. Let me put that out on the podcast. Pull the mic to me. Hit record. One button, I'm recording, and I stick it on the desktop, and I'll, I'll edit it, I'll use it later. I don't need to figure that out now. But I don't want to lose the inspiration for getting something down on tape. All right, room acoustics matter. And you have to invest either time or money. And you could go on the cheap and spend like five bucks and get some good stuff that'll make your room sound better. Or you could just you know, haul up from other areas of your house a rug, a bookshelf that you're gonna put some books in, some soft coverings on the wall, and your room will sound great, you don't have to spend a dollar. But the room acoustics are more important than the mic, because the room acoustics could kill you. If there's reverb in that room, it's gonna make the recording sound bad. And the way you figure this out is, you do some recordings and you play them in a good set of headphones, and you say, oh, that's what you guys would probably call echo, we call reverb, wow, that does not sound good. I, I don't like that. Then you start figuring out ways to do it, uh, to get rid of it, and you just keep going until it sounds good. And we'll talk in the course about how you're actually going to set up a room. All right. What's worth investing in is your DAW. Your DAW is your digital audio workstation. It's the, on your computer what you're going to do to edit your audio. That's worth putting a little bit of money in. And these are not a lot of money. You can get the best DAW out there for 99 bucks, what the professionals are using. So this is not a lot of money. But the alternatives are free. But I don't think free is really free. It's free in terms of the money you spend, but the time you have to invest to get the same things done that you can get done by a professional system is time. Your time is money. I would say go right up front and pay the $99 and get the best thing out there that each minute you work with and get better with is actually a minute invested in what you'll eventually be on, as opposed to really getting muscle memory in these free programs and then realizing it really doesn't have any more what I need. Let me go now, advance up to the professional. Well, those 100 hours you spent editing on the free thing, that's all a waste now. That's all gone. I'd say just go right up front and buy the professional level thing. That's the beauty of the democracy of the software world is I use the same video editing program they make you know, Hollywood movies on. And that costs me $20 a month. You know, I'm using Adobe Premiere. That's the exact same thing they're making Hollywood movies on. Well, I'm never going to make Hollywood movies. But it means everything I put into that, I know this program has infinite levels for me to get better and more efficient on, as opposed to something free that I'm going to max out on and then have to relearn everything. All right. It's worth investing a little bit of money in a good set of headphones, which we call cans and a good set of speakers, which we call near-field monitors. And those aren't very expensive, or at least you could get very good ones that aren't very expensive. But that will allow you to hear the stuff you're producing. Because if you're playing them on crappy computer speakers, you do not know if it's the problem with your recording or the problem with your playback device. All right? And we'll talk about which ones to buy. All right, invest in yourself. 
I would recommend if you're going to do this as a serious gig, after a while you've done it for a while, you're like, I like this, I think I'm going to stick with it, invest in voice lessons. Most of the good ENT clinics that work with voice actors, work with singers, have a set of six introductory sessions that usually your health insurance will pay for if you go in there and say, my throat's really hurting after I give a lecture. No, that's serious. That's why I went, is I would give these half-hour lectures, and I couldn't talk for the rest of the day. I was misusing my voice. And if you go in there and say that to them, um, they'll take you through it, because it's a legit problem for medical educators. If you lose your voice, you got nothing, right? You can't be doing sign language for most of your learners. So you need your voice, and it's legit. So if you start feeling scratchiness in your throat every time you give a five-minute lecture to your students, go to an otolaryngologist and have them work you through the six sessions on how to use your work voice safely. These will not you know, teach you how to project and sing and you know, hit high notes. That's a whole separate type of voice lesson. These are just the ones that will teach you your natural voice and how to use it comfortably. And that's what you want. You want to be able to speak for hours at a time without destroying your vocal apparatus. Totally worth it to take the voice lessons. All right. Totally worth it to take an audio engineering course. Chris Curran is in back. Chris, raise your hand. Chris has got a podcasting course that'll take you through it. This is the, the beginner level, and that's the expert level for podcasters. So, you know, you'll talk to him in the course of this, and uh, if you like what he says, consider taking his course, or there's some others out there as well. But taking this is a force multiplier. That two days you put in will pay off in hours and hours of workflow optimization when you're actually doing the work. All right, you gotta master social media because you're your own dissemination tool. You're the person that's gonna get your stuff out there. You don't have a publicist to do this for you. So you gotta master Twitter, Facebook, Reddit. You gotta be good at it. You don't have to like it, because I friggin' hate them, but you gotta be good at it. All right, let's talk recording solo. Have a pitcher of water in front of you as you're recording. Your voice goes to crap five minutes without hydration. I should have water up here right now, not coffee. Coffee's horrible for the voice. I wish I had bourbon, also horrible for the voice, but wonderful for my state of mind. Um, but water is key. Drink during your podcast. You just make a little mark that you're stopping or you, you know, you'll see the gap of the silence and drink a little, hydrate your throat. Otherwise, you're gonna destroy your voice. Even a 20-minute podcast without water is really bad for you. Now. There's one beer podcast and there's two beer podcasts. <laughs> Most of my solo podcasts, I am fully sober because it's during the daytime and I haven't gotten into the level of debauchery where I'm drinking at 11 a.m. But um, all the interviews I do on MRAP and other shows at nighttime, I got one beer in me usually. I got it in front of me as I'm podcasting. Leads to a very good podcasting uh, environment in my head. Two beers. Very dangerous. I don't do two beer podcasts anymore, and I highly recommend you don't either. Um, one beer max. Okay. Go to Amazon, $6, just search for dog clicker. This is what you use for training dogs. Every time they do something good, you click and they lock that in. It becomes a Pavlovian way. You could give them a treat when you're not near them, and then you <coughs> fill it in afterwards when they finally you know, finish doing their rolling over. Um, this dog clicker on your waveform will make these two, not just one, two clipping straight lines. They are immediately visible. You can't miss it in your waveform. What this allows me to do is I don't listen to my whole friggin' podcast every time I edit. That is deadly. And at the beginning, you're going to have to. And at the beginning, you're going to have to listen multiple times. And you'll be like, this is the worst thing in the world. Recording a podcast is great. Editing a podcast is so painful. So this, when you get a little bit better, every time you make a mistake, you'll click, 
You'll say the same thing again and you'll go on. Every time you want to stop and think about what you're going to say next, you click, you have that pause, you think about it, you go on. And that means when I'm doing my editing now, all I do is I close down my waveform until the whole thing fits in one screen and just look for the lines. And then I just go to the lines and I, I fix that area and I don't have to listen to the rest. Now, it'll take you a while to get to that point, but it takes me so little time now to edit a podcast. If you don't want to buy a dog clicker, it's not near you, just clap. Make a huge spike in your audio, same thing, you could find it. All right. Get good at eliminating the filler words, the ums, the uh, oh, uh, ums, because you got to go out and think about, do I want to edit these or not? And usually you wind up not, but they eventually get annoying to the audience, especially if they're the same one each time, and especially it's every time you take a breath. So learning how to get rid of them is really worth the time. And one way is you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. Put a rubber band on your wrist, and every time you hear yourself say it, you know, flick the rubber band. You get a little bit of pain, eventually your brain figures it out. And you can do that during editing, too. As you're listening, each time you hear it, just give yourself a little flick. Um, eventually, you'll get rid of them. But that's a huge bonus if you can be filler word free. All right, recording interviews. Block off 30 minutes before each interview. If the interview's at 2 o'clock, don't do anything from 1.30 on except prep for the interview. It's going to make you more calm. It'll give you time to troubleshoot your equipment or your tech. And it'll let you get in the mindset of how you want to ask them, how you're going to bring them into stuff. So I highly recommend that. The interviews I've done by like just getting to the computer one minute before it starts, they're always crappy because I'm frazzled mentally. All right. Figure out how to do markers on whatever program you do, meaning like there's an area you want to edit and you can just hit a key on your keyboard and it'll keep a marker in that recording that you could go back to later. Those become your dog clicker edit points for a two-person podcast or a multiple-person podcast because you can't do the dog clicker. It's going to annoy everyone who's listening. Um, what, what, what was that? What was that? So figure out how to do markers. Um, if you can't do that, then just keep a pad and write down the time code that should be in front of you as you're recording and write down that, what you know, the edit point is and what you actually want to do with it. And then this is the key, and it took me a while because I'm not a smart guy to figure this out. Don't go and edit those points forward because then as you cut out audio, it messes up all the time points later on. So the key, the magic, if you get nothing else out of this talk you've got in this, is you have to edit backwards. You take the last time point, take that, cut out the audio because that keeps all the time points that came before it from getting screwed up. It took me multiple times to figure that out. All right, this, this is another key, key tip. Always be recording. A, B, are. Always be recording. What does that mean? It means when you get on an interview, you don't talk to them for a while, get them all worked up about what they had for breakfast, get them in the mood and stuff, and then hit record. No. The second you get on the line with someone, you hit record, and then you do all your stuff. And, that, and they're like, are you recording? You say, no. But, and you don't, you're not looking to catch them out on something. You're not looking for them to say something embarrassing because you want to do that. What you're looking for is sometimes they're like, hey, so what are we going to talk about? Remind me again. And you're like, start telling them. And they start saying, oh, my God, that's great because I had this you know, patient that did this exact thing you're talking about. And, and then you realize, wow, this is gold. And you're like, shit, I wish I was recording. But you don't have to worry about that because you're always going to be recording from the moment they get on the line. And then the afterwards, you're done with the podcast and you're just shooting the shit. And all of a sudden they think, wow, you know, I... I just thought of something. I had this, you know, really, this, this works even better. And you're like, Graham, I wish I was recording. Can we do that again? It's never going to sound as good. 
So just always be recording. If they're on the line, be recording. And then if you're worried about it, you know, they mentioned a patient and you don't know, is that a HIPAA violation? Is that a violation of the patient privacy? Ask them, hey, you know what? I was recording that when you talked about that patient. Can we put that on? And they may say, well, just take out the part where you said they were 50 and female because that's an identifier. And boom, you got good stuff. All right. Avoid agreement statements. What does that mean? Um, they're talking to you and they say something like, uh, uh, and every time you get septic patients, you give antibiotics as soon as possible. You're like, oh yeah, totally, absolutely. And then you go on to your next question. Well, those become really annoying for the audience if they're just too prevalent. And I usually cut them out. But the best way is to avoid having to say that stuff in the first place if you want to go direct from your recording and just put it out there. So avoid, you know, I, I have a tendency to say absolutely. Every time they say something, I'm like, absolutely. I've got to cut that out. It gets really annoying. So it adds to your editing time. Um, the last thing I'll say about multi-person is Skype, which is what I'm going to recommend, will screw you up. If Skype just likes to update in random times and then their updates don't work anymore. So be prepared. Have a backup plan. Have a cell phone number that you could call them on and do the recording. All right. Here's my hierarchy for what I want the audience to, uh, the, the uh, interviewee to be able to do for me. The ideal would be they have a mic and headphones and we do them on Skype. That would be great. Most of them don't have it. Almost everyone has an iPhone. And if they get Skype on the iPhone, the little white um, headphones that come with it actually give very good sound. So I'll just tell them use that. If they lost the headphones, holding an iPhone about a hand's breadth from your face, the mic on the bottom of that thing is fantastic. That will give you a very good recording. Okay, they can't manage that. They're a Luddite. Do you have a cell phone? Yes. Okay, we'll do it over that. The frequency range on a cell phone is a little bit better than a landline. It's going to sound a little better. If they know all they have is a landline, all right, that's what you're going to work with. Now, in the ultimate ideal, we could do a double header, a double ender. And that means they're doing the recording on their computer. You're doing it on yours. You're talking to each other on Skype or whatever. And then they send you their copy of the recording. And then you can put their side of the conversation in from their recording. It's going to sound like a million bucks. I have, when the interview has been really important, sent them one of these bad boys. Uh, this is about 20 bucks. This is a very nice microphone headset combo. If you tell them to put that mic at the level of their chin so they don't get the plosive sounds in there, they're going to sound amazing. All right. Send them a booking file with an, a calendar, you know, the thing that when you click on it, it goes directly into their calendar when you do the booking. Send them a reminder at the one week mark. Send them a reminder at the one day mark. And then when they're done, send them thank you notes because they've given their time to you to make your podcast work. All right, always from this point on, you leave this room. Anytime you send out an email is in military time, you know, which means like 1400, not 2 p.m., and with a time zone connected to it. Get in this habit now. Even when you're talking to your wife or your husband and you're like, let's meet at 2 o'clock, just say, let's meet at 1400 EST, Eastern Standard Time, because it will get you in the habit of avoiding disasters, which is you send out, okay, we'll do it at 2 p.m., and your person's in California, and they're thinking they're 2 p.m., you're thinking you're 2 p.m., and now your podcast recording's screwed. <coughs> All right, I send out an instruction sheet, and I get contact info, and I give them mine, because when Skype does screw up, you'll still be able to do your recording. All right, edit for humans, meaning leave in breaths, leave in pauses, leave in some filler words because it makes people understand they're listening to a human being and not a robot. Checklist your workflow, how you get things done. After a while, when you have a good groove, write it down and then go through it each time because I still forget stuff even at my stage of the game. All right, not getting sued. It's a very good idea now if you could, 
have the wherewithal. Just open up a second bank account, not a business account at this stage, just open a second bank account and buy, uh, put a credit card assigned to that bank account and buy all your podcasting stuff, all your uh, web hosting in a separate account. Because if you ever do want to make this a business, it's going to be so easy for you to convert over and start writing this stuff off because you legitimately should write this stuff off. This is stuff you're investing for your job. And it is a legit write-off that we won't get in America most of the time because we have these things called alternate minimum taxes. This is clearly tax-deductible stuff. If right at the beginning you just open up a personal checking account and link a credit card to it, you're going to be so happy. Now, when you get a little bit more advanced, I really recommend starting a limited liability company or whatever in your country is similar that will give you protection if you get sued. Because at some point, there's a chance someone's going to sue you, especially for copyright violations. Like you took a graph out of Elsevier's journal, which is fair use. It's perfectly legitimate to do so. But if they want to be absolute pricks about it, they could sue you. Well, if you have an LLC or some other business entity, you're fine. The worst that happens is you have to change the name of your business entity. You don't even need to change the name of your show. But if it's personal stuff, they could come after your house. So very early on, I recommend starting a business. And beware of copyright. There are lawyers in the United States who used to do medical malpractice. And then when states like Texas had tort reform, they all became copyright lawyers looking for you to steal an image off the Internet and then sue your ass. All right, and then never podcast in anger. I've regretted this multiple times over the course of the years. Just let yourself simmer down before you put the podcast out. All right, you do need to be near perfect for medical podcasting, not in the audio, in the facts. You don't need to be perfect, but you gotta be pretty damn close. And when you screw it up, you immediately admit your mistake, you put it out there, I screwed up, here's how we're making it better. And then you look like a million bucks. You're allowed to mess up, but you gotta own it. All right, and then, if it's stuff that's really controversial, ask a friend to listen before you put it out there. That's advice I wish I had taken sometimes. All right, closing thoughts. Podcasting allows you to create a whole new persona. You could be another person on the mic. And then if you start liking that person, you could become that person because that's what the people you're going to interact with think that, that they think that's who you are. And you could actually be a completely different person. I, I, I was super shy at medical conference. I would never talk to people. Now all of a sudden I had the podcast, people were coming up and talking to me. Well, now all of a sudden I'm a social person. All right, let's work with that. And you know, that's, that's who I am now. So people think like, oh wow, Scott, he's a real social guy. I'm not, I'm still a friggin' introverted bastard, but, but I got the podcast persona to use. All right, stay independent. Your institution might say, this is great. I want to take this over. I'll give you the money to pay your web hosting fees, and, and uh, we'll, we'll own it, but you keep doing it. Don't do that. There's no gain to it. Podcasting is not expensive, at least at the beginning. Own your shit. If the institution wants to work with you, tell them, absolutely, I would love to conspire with you. I'd love to make you, you know, a sponsor, but I own my shit. All right? You say it in a nicer way, but you make sure... <laughs> that they understand that when you leave, this is yours, that this does not belong to the university. All right, do it for the love, and when you stop loving it, stop. There's no shame in pod fading. There's no shame in going out strong as opposed to putting in half-assed stuff because you don't really love it anymore. And last but not least, you're being given intimate access to people. You're being able to whisper in their ears at times where they don't have the defenses up they have in normal conversation. They're running, they're, they're exercising, they're on the subway in their own mind, and you're whispering in their ear. This is magical, this is amazing. Respect it, 
use it right, and you'll find nothing better in the world of academics than medical podcasting. Thank you for your attention.